Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Ashley Daly. She's the CEO and founder of Be Candylicious. Before Ashley became an entrepreneur and started Be Candylicious, she was the former senior vice president of marketing at Experian. She left her large, structured corporate role to pursue her personal dream to launch a direct-to-consumer fashion brand. A little over a year in, she's well into realizing that dream, and we talk about it today. She's grown her sales via social, digital promotion, and word of mouth, and she's just recently signed her first retail distribution deal with Dylan's Candy Bar. And she's expanding distribution as we speak. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ashley Daly. Well, Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I know. it's It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I thought we could get right out of the gate with, I think, my most important question. I interview lots and lots of uh, marketing leaders. And three years ago, I understand you stepped off the corporate ladder having been a partner at a communications firm and a rising senior vice president of global marketing and Experian Marketing Services. Why did you make the jump? Yeah. So interestingly enough, you said I jumped right off the ladder. I, I literally walked off a stage in front of about a thousand of some of the world's best CMOs that represent some just incredible brands. And that was my last day. 
And it was a big change, but it had been something that I'd been thinking about really forever. That was always in the back of my head about starting my own company and actually marketing my own dreams versus those of others. And like a lot of moms out there in the corporate world, you spend so much time, especially when you're at that level in a corporation, there's so much time spent on the road and traveling and meetings and boardrooms. And I just wanted to spend more time with my family. And I kind of felt like once I turned 40, it was kind of now or never to chase after my own dreams. And so with the support of my family, especially my husband, we took that leap of faith. And and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love it. I love it. And we'll get to your company that you founded, Be Candylicious. But before we do that, maybe let's back up a little bit and tell me about your career path to that point. Where did you start? And were there any pivotal people along the way, maybe people that spark that entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah, it's such a good question. And for me, I actually went against the career path I originally set out to do. And it was a man that I had met who basically had given me some advice just after college and had said, you know, it's really important to find a career that people will always need. And technology is one of those things. And so when I was starting out in the technology world, the internet was just kind of starting out. So throughout my career, I one of the first companies I worked for was a white box manufacturer of custom PCs and actually sold to CompUSA, which is no longer around. And then it was enterprise portal technology. It was working for another startup that was all e-commerce based for the hospitality industry to streamline their procurement process. And then what really led me to Experian, where I spent the bulk of my career, almost 15 years, I started out with an acquisition that they made with a company called Cheetah Mail, which was one of the largest senders of permission-based email marketing. So I've always kind of been throughout my career at the forefront of technology, doing a lot of education on the benefits of the technology. And it was wonderful. And I've always been a marketer and advertiser by nature. But the designer in me, it's just, you know, my parents had always told me early on, in addition to that first mentor that I had that told me to find a career that was always going to be necessary was that fashion is a very fickle industry. And so I should really try and carve out a path for myself. And once I'm successful, then I can start my own clothing brand. So, <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of value in that too. I think parents at that time were realists and we didn't have the kind of the lofty dreams of if you can dream it, you can achieve it. It was definitely get out there, survive, <laughs> and then go chase those big dreams. Right. And a lot's happened too over our, I think we're near the same age, maybe, but a lot's happened in that make that possible now, right? Like in terms of sourcing materials for your products, the e-commerce like Shopify, 
platform and, and things like that. I mean, those things did not exist. And I feel like they make it kind of possible for people to bring their dreams to life, which is fantastic. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, there's so many platforms, whether you're just a really small business and want to put a shop up on Etsy, social media in its own right, just is such an incredibly powerful platform for any brand of any size, of any maturity to whether it's introducing itself or evolving its own kind of brand narrative, if you will. But I think you absolutely hit it on the head. We have more opportunities than we've ever had because of that technology. And we actually built our website and e-commerce platform on Shopify where originally I wanted to build something from the ground up, just using my data and technology background. I wanted something much more custom, but I realized that that required a lot more, a lot more investment than I was capable of putting into it. So we'd actually pivot, pivoted slightly from what the original design concept was with an agency that I was working with to build the platform. And we opted to build on Shopify, which we were able to turn around within a couple of weeks in order to hit a road show that I was about to go on and doing morning shows and talking about the brand and our pay it forward model. So it's pretty incredible the tools that are available now for anybody who wants to start their own company. It's really a quick turnkey solution, and it's just obviously modifying that over time and adjusting to what the the business requirements are. But definitely that lowered the barrier to entry immensely for us and Candelicious. Yeah, that's a great story to hear. So I want to hear a little bit about Candelicious. And when did you know that you had a company versus just an idea? You must have known that I think this is a company before you walked off that stage in front of a thousand of marketers to say, I think this is a company. Yeah. And gave up that great salary and and insurance benefits and all that fun stuff because my husband's also an entrepreneur. So it was a pretty loud thud when we walked off, when I walked (laughs) off the stage. I always say my family walked off with me, but I'm a big believer in passion and grit And I've always said, and I've said this to my team members, that an idea is only as good as it is executed. So many people will have ideas. It's those that actually are willing to implement them, put in the hard work and chase after it and make it a reality that separates them from just the, that separates those just from ideas. And so for me, the question of when did I know it was a company versus just an idea I think just from my passion and something that I've wanted to do for so long, even at my high school reunion, I'm now completely dating myself, but people had said, you know, we always thought you'd be in the fashion industry, like running a big fashion empire. And all these people that I had from my past started reminding me about that passion that I'd always had. And people always said we had the coolest swag and the greatest like clothing and whatnot, because I was kind of living vicariously through my promotional budget and creating really awesome (laughs) swag that people actually wanted to wear versus just kind of your standard corporate logo apparel. 
And we had started an initiative at the company about women empowerment. So I spent a lot of time talking to women throughout our organization. And our company was located in 44 countries and really talked to them about their own motivation and drives. And they always asked me, how did I know that I wanted to do this? And you get asked that a lot. It's like putting a mirror in front of you and eventually, and you want to be authentic and honest. And I kept taking that home with me saying, you know, I always loved the marketing piece of it by nature. I'm a marketer. I consume brands that I just love their packaging and their branding elements. So, you know, I definitely eat that dog food, so to speak, but it forced me to look at myself from friends growing up and that reunion that I mentioned and speaking to all these different women at varying stages of their careers, whether they were starting out as an intern or they were at a VP level in the organization. I said, this wasn't my dream to be here. I ended up here and I love what I'm doing. And there's the common thread is, is the marketing component is helping to bring brands and consumers together in a meaningful way. And that's something that's always inherently been important to me and something that motivates me every morning. But I realized shortly thereafter, I just kept getting faced with it over and over again. And, and I think a lot of women especially around our age that can say you got a lot of playback from people about how much time you're spending away from your family. And people unsolicited would always tell me things like, you know, you're never going to get this time back with your kids. They're never going to be five again. They're never going to be 10 again. And it finally just hit me dead on. And we had convinced the company to rebrand itself because it had evolved so much over the years. So we were designing a new logo, a whole new brand narrative and storyline around it. And I looked at my schedule for the next three years and I was just not going to be home very much. And that was a reality that I was looking at saying, I can continue to do this, something that I really enjoy. I love the company. I love the people I work with. Or I can take that leap and do what I've always wanted to do, but I've just been scared beyond measure to actually do it and to do it alone, mind you. That was a big like turning point for me. And that's when we said, okay, then what do I have? What company, what does this clothing line look like? And how is it going to stand out in an already pretty saturated market? Tell us a little bit more about Candylicious. Yeah, so I love to shop and I have a nine-year-old daughter and everywhere we went, we just kind of found iterations of the same design. And I was lucky enough to be able to travel around the world and would bring home different clothing pieces. And she always wanted to dress like me. And I would say, yeah, there's these really fun leggings, but... Oddly enough, they don't make them in youth sizes. And it just felt like there was, I would never be able to find exactly what I was looking for, whether it was for myself or for my daughter. And I just also felt that there's so many great pay it forward brands like Tom's and so many others out there. And I didn't want to create something that 
other people had already created and done so well, but I really wanted to create something that reinforced something that I felt was lacking in our world, which was just kindness and kind of an homage to all the things that made our soul smile, kind of what we refer to as soul candy. And that's kind of a a nod back to the vibrant colors of candy. And so we take kind of a literal and a metaphorical approach with candy and bring those colors and the messaging around that so that it truly does deliver that epic dose of happy. And we wanted to make sure that everything we, at least almost everything we made in youth, we made an adult up to 3X so that it was accessible to all different body types, that our styles were complementary to every type of what we say, supergirl or humankind with an emphasis on the kind and just have a brand that reinforced positivity. And we've always said that Be Candelicious is not just a brand. It's more of a mantra, a way of life that if you can be anything, be kind, have the confidence to be yourself and be candelicious. And it's been pretty amazing to see how that resonates with the younger generation when I hear my daughter and her friends say, well, that's not very be candelicious. And you have to have the confidence to be yourself and not feel like you need to dress like every other girl in your class and have the confidence to also stand up for when you see that somebody's being wronged. And I have to say that just seeing that is all the validation in the world that I need or from women who are like, yeah, I would never think that I would wear leggings with candy rainbows and donuts and all this stuff all over them. But I have to tell you that when I go to my bar class and everybody stops me and says, oh my God, I love your leggings. They just make me happy. And that's been the common thread of all the feedback that we've gotten from our customers of all ages that the clothes truly make them happy. And not only them, but they make other people happy too. So I've always, I've tried to raise my daughter and my son to say that what you put out is absorbed by the world too. So when you smile at somebody, it's contagious. And hopefully they'll smile at somebody else. And sometimes your clothes will do the smiling for you. And that's kind of how we think about Be Candelicious. I like it. Well, it's the confidence definitely comes through in the imagery online. But it's also one of the most fun and to use a, I don't know if this is an old word or not, but it's whimsical. And the site itself, like there's floating candy as you scroll down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit excessive. But yeah, it's kind of this very utopian happy place. And so I'd love to hear you say that it's whimsical because like I said, there is an homage to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in a sense of you can't see a pile of gummy bears on a table and not smile. So while you might not need to consume those gummy bears every day, you can certainly wear them without issue. (laughs) Right. There you go. There you go. There you go. Where did this come from? I mean, you you talked about your daughter. Was it shopping with her and seeing this like you described? Or did you always know you were going to somehow merge candy and fashion? I did not. I think I always use this as like a warning label that this is what can happen if you don't allow your children to have candy growing up. So growing up, 
I grew up in Manhattan Beach and we were not allowed to have sweets. Like it was a absolute treat to have desserts and where a lot of my friends had it, we just weren't allowed. So I don't know. I think I I kind of have this obsession with it where I just love the smell. I love the colors. It just evokes happiness for me. And I didn't actually set out to create a line that really celebrated the candy. It just kind of fell into place. The world seems to be in a really conflicted state right now. And we were just saying how wonderful technology is, how wonderful social media is, but it's kind of that blessing and a curse because it's given so many, it's given such a prominent platform to so many different viewpoints. And it can be very one-sided where now it seems that we're having a harder time appreciating where a conflicting side might be coming from, where it just, it seemed like we needed a little more harmony, like stuff that just brought us back together. And one of those unifying themes is candy and those things that just kind of make your soul smile. And everybody loves the smell of it. One of those old school candy stores, or you remember back as a kid when you would walk in and you would just be overwhelmed, like all your senses just on overload, just by the colors and the scents and the, just the overall experience of it. So we wanted to take that into account. And the designs just started kind of coming out where I used to have a favorite rainbow sweatshirt as a kid. And we took the rainbow and created a licorice rainbow. Rainbows are beautiful, but candy rainbows are even better. Um, So it's funny when people look at the detail, they're like, wow, that's really candy or that's really a gummy bear versus a bear on a shirt. And it just makes people pause for a moment and it elicits something really positive, which has been so great. So I just couldn't find any brands. There's so many great brands out there, especially on the namaste and the yoga and the spirituality side of things. But I didn't, I wanted something that just went to the basics, just at the core of what made, like brought out the kid and the adults and the stuff that the kids just love. And hopefully something that would inspire people to smile that day or pay it forward and be a little more kind. Just as a reminder, I mean, I can say that my brand does that for me, where sometimes I get angry at some of these like Facebook moms and pages and, and I'm like, nope, (laughs) be kind. Just because I disagree with them doesn't mean that I should put that out there. And so it's actually had a really positive effect on me as well. And it's been great because again, you know, when you think about bringing something new to market and like you said, where was the idea versus when you knew it was a company is when you get that customer feedback, which is so powerful now, like we were just talking about the technology, you have all these incredible customer feedback loops, whether they're tagging you in their Instagram posts or Snapchat, or they're talking about you on Facebook or they're sending you, I mean, we've also gotten written thank you letters from people just saying, thank you for creating a brand 
that makes me feel so good. And those are the things that are just, there's no book or professor that can prepare you for how good that's going to make you feel. And so that's kind of been the validation for us where, you know, again, when we set out to do this, people close to me that I had said, oh yeah, we're going to do this kind of candy inspired brand. They were like, what? I'm not sure I would wear a donut on my shirt or I wouldn't do this. So we really had to push through that. I had to push through that fear and that unknown and say, but I still think that there's, there's a market for it and I'm willing to test it. I'm willing to, to see how far we can push this because I really do believe that the brand serves another purpose other than just selling clothes. But it's a reminder to just take a moment, appreciate those sweet things in life and what we call soul candy and not be afraid to be confident and to always be kind where you don't have to like everybody, but you should always be kind. And so that's been a great platform for us. And in the year and a half that we've like actually been in market with the brand, We've also done a lot in terms of the pay it forward model that I was talking about, where it's pretty empowering and inspiring as an entrepreneur, where I can get inspired by individuals or causes and turn around and create something that can not only generate money, but also helps create awareness to causes that matter. So our first, what I would call our collection of hope is how we refer to it, created a shirt called the Brian shirt, which was inspired by a young man named Brian Halloran, who had taken his own life prematurely. And his family had created an organization in his own namesake called BTH, which stands for Break the Hold. It's also his own initials. And we created a shirt using his handwriting and that said, be kind, be you, because those were also things that really matter to him. And we were able to donate hundred percent of the profits directly back to the organization, which is committed to educating the public on mental health and youth suicide prevention. And they do amazing work. And it's been incredibly inspiring to me, but an incredibly profound organization where I look at mental health much different thanks to them. So we did that shirt and we sold out like our first week and had to do another run on it. And then we just got them in last week and we're almost sold out of them because we just went to our first, it was a children's club trade show. So we sold into several different, both large and small boutiques and retailers, but we've pretty much sold out of it and we haven't even been able to post it on our website yet, but a sweatshirt that's called the Aria hoodie. And I co-designed it with a little girl named Aria who's eight years old and she's fighting a rare form of cancer. And so for the past year and a half or just over a year, she attends Sloan Kettering in New York City every single day and goes through just the most insane treatments you could imagine. And they're not quite sure how to cure it. So a lot of this is a test case situation with Sloan Kettering, but she loved the brand, but she wanted more pink. And she also didn't like that our sweatshirts were a little bit longer. So she wanted it shorter and she wanted all these things. And she was super sensitive, obviously, to the feel because she's in the hospital 
hospital every single day. So we took all her feedback and created the Aria hoodie, which is probably my favorite sweatshirt ever. But it's great because now we have 10% of the profits going towards pediatric cancer research. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So that hopefully in the foreseeable future, no child has to endure what Aria and unfortunately so many other children have to go through and their families. Right. No, those are fantastic and great stories, both for your brand, but just for society at large. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been like truly amazing to see how people have responded where they've loved the sweatshirts and I'm like, oh yeah, but this was co-designed and here's the story behind it. And then they just fall in love with it even more. So it's great. You said you've been in market about a year and a half. How did you launch? Was it through e-commerce or were you selling t-shirts out of your trunk? Like <laughs> how did it work? Yeah. So the learning curve into the apparel industry was pretty steep. I needed to find manufacturers and quality manufacturers. I had to find the great material, everything that was washable, because the clothes you never want to go into the washer or the dryer always find their way in there. So we really wanted something that was more sustainable. So once we had all of that, we created the website, as I told you about, and we use Shopify, which was fantastic and very quick for us. And that's really how we launched. We opened it up and it was really through word of mouth, which is surprising to people given my background in marketing. But as a female startup, also self-funded, the cost of advertising and marketing is so huge when you think about all the different opportunities that you have. I mean, you've got to create your email list. You've got to create your social media platforms. Where are your customers coming from? Is that on Pinterest? Is it on Instagram? Is it on Facebook? There's so many different things that you have to consider 
when building your brand. And the reality is too, that you truly are valued based on how many followers you have on Instagram. So I knew that coming in, we had to have at least 10,000 or more followers on Instagram and that I wouldn't actually start publicly talking about the brand until we achieved that. And by doing that, I, in order to build up that audience, I had to talk about it on my own personal sites and with my friends. So it was in doing that and building up our social media, you know, which we're still trying to grow, but we're really happy with where we're at at this point, people were like, I really love this. And can I buy this now? Can I buy this now? And we started selling like every day orders were coming in. It was a great problem to have. It was one of those things where we're like, oh, shoot, how does that work? How does the shipping work? So it was kind of learning on the fly, but it was a great situation because these were all people that believed in the mission of the brand. So I have to say thank you to all of our early customers while we were figuring out all the kinks. But we've now, I mean, I would say like in the first three months, we sold to every single state in the US. And my husband's barometer was always, did you know the person? (laughs) So when I would get ordered then, he's like, well, how many of those people do you know? So it was a great feeling when you know them because they're supporting you, but then you also have that other validation of when they're complete strangers, but they're finding you through word of mouth of other people as well, because we weren't proactively putting paid advertising out there. It was truly organic and word of mouth. And this is now we're at that pivotal point where we are starting to invest in our marketing and our promotion. And like I said, we just attended our first trade show where buyers from major retailers around the world come in and check out all the brands that they already know and love and sell so well in their stores. But then they're also looking at the new up and coming brands. And we did incredibly well. And again, that was a big learning curve too, especially when we got Dylan's candy bars to pick us up. And that was like, wow, this is really real now. We've got to mature the brand in terms of like UPC codes and SKU numbers and and all of that. But it was incredible that they picked us up in every single one of their stores. I think the only one we weren't in was Kuwait. That's huge. Yeah. So for a brand called Be Candelicious to get picked up by probably one of my favorite candy stores and just retail stores. I think they do so many things so well. It was definitely a pinch me moment. <laughs> if you can think back over that first year, what was the hardest part? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, maybe all of it. I so don't know. Much. <laughs> I mean, truly, I, I think what people don't prepare you for when you're setting out to start your own company, especially one on a large scale, is just one, internally, how you're going to feel. Like I felt very isolated. I had to learn how to adjust from being a a global SVP of marketing, where I used to have a lot of publications and stuff that wanted my opinion and wanted all of our data and stats on the marketing industry as a whole. And I didn't realize how much of my own self-worth 
was wrapped up in my position. So I think that was probably the hardest thing for me was adjusting from being a a senior ranking official at a multi-billion dollar company to now being this nobody who's trying to start something incredible. And it was a huge adjustment where I went from having the most amazing team of people at my fingertips. You know, I have an idea, I call a meeting, we strategize, we put a plan together, we execute it. So many people are taking different components of it that this was like, oh, I want to do this with the website. Oh, that's me. (laughs) This was shipping. Oh, that's me. Or I have an issue with my technology. Oh, that's me again. So I think... For us, especially, like I said, self-funded, when you're self-funded, you don't have that injection of cash to hire some of those critical roles. So you're kind of traversing across many different areas. You're not only the designer, you're the spokesperson, you're the marketer, you're the shipper, you're the wholesaler, you're writing the copy and the content. There's a lot. And I think that in itself can also be really overwhelming. And I think that was probably the biggest adjustment for me was learning how to find a balance in my day without being overwhelmed by the laundry list of things that had to get done. Being an entrepreneur, I mean, you you talked about it before. I've done it a few times myself. It's a lonely existence. And especially like you describe, you know, if, if you're doing it all yourself, there's not, I've done it by myself and then with partners in the past. And it's a little easier with partners, although now you've got multiple families involved. <laughs> so the stakes maybe are a little higher to get the revenue going, but uh, probably not that much. I mean, everyone's got to eat, right? So a year and a half in, I mean, you're still early. What does sales look like now? And how are you focusing for growth going forward? I, you just came back from this huge trade show, it sounds like. Yeah, which was great. So everybody put in their initial orders and hopefully they'll sell well and follow that up with more. And we have a lot of follow-up to do, but sales wise, we've grown tremendously and I'm really pleased with where our stats are. We also have a zero return rate, which is unheard of in retail. We've had a few exchanges for sizes where people have gotten those off, but we also have an 82% customer return rate, which is at like a 4X. So these people are coming back four, five, six times. So those just kind of basic stats to me are, are very positive indicators of where we can go. And so sales continue to grow both online. We have a small store in Pleasantville, New York, where it's kind of our showroom, if you will, where people can kind of experience it since this is where we're designing everything. And we're really only open three days a week, maybe. And so it's been great to see the growth, both coming from e-commerce as well as the store, because we're primarily a D2C brand. And that was that was an important decision for us to make that we wanted to take out a lot of the other costs like distribution and retail overhead costs and pass that through directly to the consumer. But then we also wanted to support all these fantastic boutiques and stores around the world for that matter with our mission of the clothes to deliver an epic dose of happy. So 
I'm really pleased with where we're at in terms of scaling the wholesale business now and really starting to see more acceleration in that area. There's just so much opportunity in areas where we can focus on, but my at the same time, I have to be razor focused on achieving specific objectives, which is still building out that D2C market, still building up that name for ourselves directly, and then making sure that the wholesale side continues to flourish and grow. But we're also treating them with the same experience that we're trying to deliver to our direct consumer. And we don't want to step on any toes. And already with another local store here in town, I met up with them just to see how everything was going. And she's like, yeah, we already started selling your stuff right away. Somebody came in and said they knew the Becan Delicious brand and loved it and bought everything there, even though sometimes, and that's where we need to make sure that we're not competing with them, especially on price online. So that's our next focus is to make sure that that's 100% streamlined and the consumer still gets a fantastic experience, but that both sets of our audiences get that fantastic experience, the wholesaler and the consumer. Definitely. So, I mean, one of the great things about being a D2C brand is the feedback that you get kind of firsthand, if you will, from customers. How has that influenced your business? Oh, hugely. I think I alluded to it a little earlier where that the feedback loop that we get is so powerful. And I can say that, especially because I spent so much of my career on the B2B side where we worked with brands. So I always said, you know, in my past life, we marketed to marketers to market themselves better. So it was an interesting paradox, but we never had that kind of feedback loop that you get on the consumer side. So we get so much feedback whether it's through emails or even handwritten letters, people tagging us in Instagram posts or Facebook messages, just talking about how the brand makes them feel. So one comment that really resonated with me was saying, you know, she was having a really hard time um, going through, I guess, a divorce and she had four children. And she said that, Anytime she wears Be Can Delicious, people always stop her on the street and tell her how much she likes it. So she said that whenever she's having a bad day, she makes sure that she wears Be Can Delicious. And she's like, within five minutes of walking outside, someone's going to say something nice. So it's stuff like that where you just can't even make that up. And then you get more and more validation of people who have similar experiences where they're like, oh, someone stopped me and they love the message and then they love the sweatshirt or I never thought I could wear these leggings and they give me so much confidence and I love that I'm not wearing black like everybody else. I said, well, that's fine too. I love art and art is also subjective, but I think especially pop art is one of my favorites and that's a genre that I absolutely gravitate to towards. So we use a lot of white space, fun colors and the whole idea is that it's easy to mix and match together or with your other basics that sometimes you're more comfortable in. They're really meant to be customized to your own personality. So you can take it as far 
as you want or as simple as you want. Like I wear our rainbow white sweatshirt with my black leather pants and simple black heels. And it's so simple that people always at parties are like, I would never dream of wearing a sweatshirt, but this is so perfect. So it's kind of fun to kind of change the narrative around what's acceptable and what you can wear. Like as much as everybody's trying to be different, they're, we're all kind of like hovering around each other in line. And so it's really fun to create a brand that makes people step outside that line a little bit that celebrates their own individuality. Well, uh, one more question on the D2C front, and then we'll switch gears a little bit. Do you have any concerns or either about the marketplace, competitors? What kind of keeps you up at night? <laughs> yeah, a lot. I mean, the one thing that I've learned about the apparel industry specifically and D2C is that bigger brands can go to market much faster and your Instagram can be a blessing and a curse. So we've already experienced designs being stolen. We've actually had manufacturers send our designs to other brands and we just can't afford litigation and it's just not worth it for us. So as a D2C brand, you have to be so quick to market and abreast of the trends. It definitely has its set of challenges, so many opportunities with it, but there are a lot of things with D2C specifically that keep me up at night. And especially just how quickly things are moving. And you think about manufacturing process and tariffs and what's going on politically and how that's going to impact pricing and where the market's going and what's the price point that people are going to still feel comfortable buying at. There's a number of outside factors that keep me up at night. No, I wasn't even thinking about the tariffs, but you're right. Like, yeah, the macroeconomics can impact even the D2C brands. Oh, absolutely. You know, but that's the other thing too, is it's just also a matter of perspective of how you're going to look at that. So it's either going to be a challenge for you or it's going to be an opportunity. And I'm not this consummate Pollyanna, but I always try to say, okay, this is an opportunity that we have. And so let's, let's address it from that perspective. But yeah, I don't sleep well at night. <laughs> well, that the framing that you're doing is is a, a very good tool. I've heard from other folks reframing the the challenge as an opportunity can just help, even if you still can't sleep. It helps, you know, your mental mental ability. Yeah, and I don't think I'm alone. I'm. I, they said when you read the the commonalities among entrepreneurs that we're always thinking and thinking about what's next. And, and that usually happens at night when everything's quiet and then your mom kind of running. So one day someone will figure out how to cut it all off. I think there's a misconception out there that entrepreneur, I don't see if you agree with this, but the entrepreneurs are risk takers. And the more, the more I talk to them, other entrepreneurs, I don't think that's true at all. I think we're probably like risk mitigators, not risk takers. You know, <laughs> like everyone's constantly trying to figure out how do I, how do I minimize my downside? Not how do I jump into the cesspool? A hundred percent. So, but see, you just switched the narrative there. Right. right. <laughs> it on which, which perspective you're going to come in with. And I a hundred percent agree with yours where entrepreneurs are not the people that are like willing to risk it all for the sake of risking it all. It's we are risk mitigators and we look at 
every possibility. So I think you can be very cavalier in kind of the terminology associated with entrepreneur. But again, it's, is it a challenge or is it an opportunity? Is it risk aversion or is it risk mitigation? Or is it there's, I definitely am one of those people that, especially where rules are concerned, where I do believe in that whole definition of, are you a rule breaker or not? And I definitely am by definition, I guess, because I believe that all, I kind of see rules as guidelines. They're all meant to be reevaluated depending on the circumstances and timing. I do believe in the golden rule and that one shouldn't change. <laughs> do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But all the rest to me are up for renegotiation. So when people tell me things like, uh, this hasn't been done before, it's almost motivation for me to say, well, that doesn't mean it can't happen. And that's one of the things I tell my kids all the time that Alice in Wonderland, there's that great quote that today I thought of six impossible things before breakfast. I'm kind of messing that up, but it's something along those lines. And I tell my kids that truly everything is possible. It just takes somebody to think it's possible and then put in the hard work and the planning and the execution to make it a reality. And they've even said things like, well, can you build a house in five minutes? And I said, well, actually with 3D printing, now define the house, but you, you could. It just takes somebody who's not afraid to, again, color outside the lines to use overused terms, but to just think a little bit differently about things. And I guess that's what I that's what I do, and that's what I try to live by with this brand. I've got a few more questions for you. I want I always we've talked about you a little bit already, but I love asking this question, which is, you know, is there an experience of your past that you feel defines or makes up who you are today? I would say that my upbringing definitely made me who I am, and I'm a product of divorce, multiple divorces. No offense to my parents at all. But I realized that if you're not willing to put the effort in and make certain decisions, that things can fall apart. And so I think I've grown up with that reality that as much as I believe in that utopian possibility, I know that it's not just going to happen because we're willing it to happen. So I learned early on that sometimes forever isn't really forever. And if you want something, you've got to fight hard for it and put in that work. And I think that's kind of how I've lived my life, that you get up early, you take advantage of the day and every you kind of just take every last drop of potential out of that day that you can until the next one. Well, Ashley, what, what advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over again? I guess it's simple. I would say don't give up. That if you believe enough in what you want to do and this reality you want to create, then don't let anything hold you back. Make it happen. I like it. What keeps you going today? What drives you personally? I think so many things. I mean, first and foremost, my family is everything to me. They are huge motivators for me to see how excited they get when they see people wearing our clothes or all the shipments that are going out to see that, especially in my son and my daughter, 
is incredibly motivating because I hope that's planting a seed in them that they know that this isn't without hard work, but that it's possible. And then the consumers, you know, our customers are everything to us. So their feedback, their positivity, their love of the brand is everything that keeps me going. Like it. Marketers tend to be kind of students of what's going on around them. Are there brands, companies, or causes that you follow or you think others should be taking notice of? I think there's so many incredible brands out right now, especially with the female movement, which I've been so inspired by. So I think Tom's is one of those who early on set out to do something pretty incredible. And I think he's created a blueprint for many other brands to follow suit or to iterate off of. So from a brand that I think has done it right since the beginning, it's Tom's. And I think that's inspiring. But I think there are so many other organizations that are being created, even by young people, that is incredibly inspiring to me. In fact, we're actually creating our first junior advisory board, which is comprised of an all-female board of girls ranging from ages 8 to 18 to give them for one, to give them more insight into what it takes to run a company, but two, to have this incredibly powerful feedback loop for us and what's important to all these different life stages at these ages. And so I'm really excited about finalizing that board. It's coming together so well. And I think there's so much that we can do in the future with these junior advisors. I love that. That's great. That's great. Well, um, last question for you. What do you think the future of marketing is going to look like? Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, a big one. I think, <laughs> yeah. Well, we all have jobs. No, I'm kidding. I just think that there's so much potential. I think for the consumer, it's incredibly exciting. It's also scary when you think about the amount of data that's available on you can be very daunting, but I think the way that that translates for the consumer with getting what you want, when you want it, how you want it, and at a price you want it, I think is incredibly powerful. So it's going to be really exciting. I've always said that it's, it's good to be a marketer because there is just so much potential with what we're doing with data and technology and how that really translates towards a better customer experience and even better value for the brand itself. Love it. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for spending time on the show today. Thank you, Alan. This was great. I really appreciate it. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.